0: You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at Purpose HSM. We hope you enjoy today's episode. It's one of my favorites do is to ask people if they have any unpopular opinions. Raise your hand, raise your hand if you know you have an unpopular opinion. Raise your hand. Grace knows she's got an unpopular, Marie, you got an unpopular opinion? I believe it. You got an unpopular opinion out there? August, you got an unpopular opinion? Okay, I'm going to share with you some of my unpopular opinions and I want to see if you guys agree with them. Unpopular opinion number one is this, pineapples don't belong on pizza. Thumbs up thumbs up if you're with me. Thank you. Is that Judah? Jonah. You got baptized, right? That's why, bro. That as soon as you get baptized, you recognize the right way. I get that. Okay. All right. All right. Let's see. How about this one? How about this one? Mint chocolate chip ice cream is disgusting. Where am my thumbs? Jack attack. Thank you. Marie, thank you. Thank you. You guys got thumbs up. Daquan, you got you thumbs up on that? Okay. All right. All right. All right. How about this one? How about this one? How about this one? Raising Cane's is better than Chick-fil-A. Jack knows what I'm talking about. What do you think? Anyone? Else? Luke, thank you. I didn't know you were a fan. All right. Bella, no? Wow. Okay. All right, let's see. I think we have another one. I think we have another one. Okay. Cutting your nails in public is a crime. Y'all, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. Who you are? What you are? Welcome here at HSM, and we're gonna love the heck out of you. We're gonna wrap our arms around you and love you. If you cut your nails in public, we got some issues. Okay, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. You, like, like one time I was in a car with somebody, and they started trimming their nails in the car. And I'm like, I can't even leave. Like, I would have to jump out of this car going 60 miles an hour. Like, you, you, you gotta figure that out. I just, I think that's a crime. All right. I think we have one more. Let's see if we have another. One. Star-Lord is an Avenger, Star-Lord is an Avenger. Anyone thumbs up on this? You guys, he defeated someone way more powerful than Thanos. Why is he not an Avenger? His dad, bro, have you seen Guardians? Okay, anyway, I think we have one more. One more is this, one more is this. Ordering milk at a restaurant as a grown man is 100% acceptable. David, not cool, bro. Not cool. I look up to you. That's not cool, bro. That hurts. Here's the thing, you guys. Whenever I take my wife out like once a year and we go to a fancy restaurant, like I'm talking a real fancy restaurant, and then there's like some kind of chocolate dessert, I always order a milk. And you guys should see the look they give me. They're like, are you seven? I don't care. I don't care. I think it's absolutely, absolutely acceptable to order milk as a grown man. Let me throw up one Last unpopular opinion. It's this. I messed up. I messed up. Here's what I mean. It is an unpopular opinion in our culture to admit that you messed up. In fact, we try to do everything we can in our culture. We do everything we can to avoid admitting that we messed up. But here's what I briefly want to talk about, and then I think you're going to get into some deep places in your life group. That if we're willing to own our mistakes, if we can be honest, if we can admit that we messed up, that that's truly the first step in beginning or repairing a relationship with God. In fact, I think think we have that up there. That the first step That repentance is the first step we take in repairing or beginning a relationship with God. So if you've been a part of our summer series, you know that every single Wednesday night, we're we're in a series called The Stories That Shape Jesus, where we're looking at a moment in the Gospels, a recorded moment where Jesus references an Old Testament story. And then we're hitting pause to go back to that Old Testament story to find out a little bit what's going on and to kind of make sense of it. So today we find ourselves in John chapter three, verses fourteen. Now maybe if you have heard of John chapter three sixteen, John three sixteen. Well, before that, Jesus references an Old Testament passage. But before we get there, I want you to fill in the blank. Here's big idea number one: Jesus offers us grace. Jesus. Offers us, you can fill that in your notes. Jesus offers us grace. John 3 14 to 17 says this Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Moses here, Moses is mentioned as a teaser, as an appetizer, as a trailer to the full course, full length forgiveness, healing, and salvation that only Jesus can bring. And what John 3, 14 to 17 is all about is that the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the only way to be saved, it's the only way to be healed, and it's the only way to be made new. But what was this reference that Jesus made to Moses? What was it all about? Well, this is where we get into big idea number two. Sin offers us death. Sin offers us death. Numbers 20, Numbers chapter 20, we're gonna look at verse tw- or chapter 21, but Numbers 20, an Old Testament book, was the end of the line for the first generation of Israelites. And it shows us the events of the 40th year of wilderness wandering that was bracketed by the deaths of Miriam and Aaron. And now as we turn to Numbers chapter 21, we begin to read the story of the second generation. So these are some of the Israelites who haven't seen all the things that the first generation of Israelites saw who were, who were uh, let out from slavery. So, so that, that first generation of Israelites who were freed from slavery... They got to see God do incredible things. And the question is, will this second generation follow in some of the mistakes of even that first generation? So let's go to Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9, and read this together. They traveled from Mount Or along the route to this Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. What in the world is going on? Now, first let me say this. It's not just like the, the um, Israelites were kind of walking around Pomona, hanging out, and, and all of a sudden, like, for the first time ever, they start complaining at God, and then God's like, hmm, what's something like, really crazy I could send them? Snakes! Like, it's not like snakes on a plane or something. Like, he's not doing something crazy. Or, in fact, snakes were a very common reality for the Israelites at this time, especially near this part of the Red Sea. Snakes abounded everywhere. And remember, this wasn't the first time in Israel's history where they were speaking against God. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 to 2, it says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. Or look at even earlier than that, Exodus chapter 32, verse 7 to 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, "'Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt.'" I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. You see, this wasn't the first time or the second time or the third or fourth time that Israel had the audacity, the boldness, the rebellious spirit to look at the God who freed them from slavery, who took them out of oppression, That they had the, 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 the audacity to look at God and complain. To look at God and say, how dare you? How dare you? And the reality is, friends, our sin, our sin brings death. It brings separation from God. That when you and I rebel from God, when we live in a way not according to his word... When we commit the sins that are clearly written about in Scripture, it separates us from God. It hardens our heart. And it's as if we're looking at God and saying, what are you doing, God? What are you doing? And we're rebelling against him. And and it can be easy in moments like this if we kind of just like drop a pin in this moment of Scripture. To read it and to go, oh man, here are these poor Israelites. Like they're always, they're just this little weak, small, poor group of people and and God's so mean. But if you read the entire context, if you know the whole story, this had become a pattern for Israel. Rebelling against God. But then what's crazy is that when they turn back, when their hearts turn back, God makes and why does God make a way? Because that's his character. Look what it says in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. fear him. That is the heart of God. That God loves to show grace and compassion. But that the reality is when you and I sin, when you and I disobey God, there are consequences. There's a distancing that happens between us and God. But here's our third and our final point for tonight. God is unfair. God is unfair, and that's good news. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but God is unfair. God is unfair, and that's good news. Let me show you what I mean. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This is how unfair God is. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you hear how unfair God is? This is the craziest thing in the world. This, this doesn't make sense. This exchange is unbelievable. So you're telling me that if I will confess my sins to God, that if I bring a confession to God, that just like he did for the Israelites... And then just as he did perfectly and as a fulfillment of that in Jesus Christ, forgiving my sins, dying on the cross and rising from the dead. You're telling me that if I confess my sins to God, that he is faithful? Like he's not going to abandon me? You mean he's just? Like he'll, he'll take care of it? You mean he'll forgive me? And, and you're, you're saying that he'll actually purify me? Like, like he's not gonna abandon me or run away from me or, or kick me to the curb or, 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 or decide that I'm not worth investing in, but he's actually invested in this relationship for the log haul? And this is just mind-blowing to me, guys. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you will give Jesus the worst of yourself, he will give you the best of himself let this sink in for a minute this reality has become so power this is so unfair this is so unfair first John 1: 9 memorize this verse this is the unfairness of God if you will no go back, go back to the line if you will give Jesus the worst of yourself He will give you the best of himself. Can you sense, can you feel how good God is? But it begins with confession. It begins with admitting where we were wrong, where we missed it. You guys, I want to confess something to you. And God revealed this to me three times on Sunday. It was a powerful experience for me. On Sunday, I was preaching here at Purpose Church. And um, in between, you know, so so I'd I'd get up, I'd preach the message, Claire would come up, do kind of a wrap-up, and then um, the service would end. I was saying hi to some people. And then I went back into this room to kind of get some water and to kind of take a breath before the next service. And can I confess to you that every single one of those times, the first thought in my mind was to run into the room and to grab my phone and to distract myself, to scroll on Instagram, to check emails, to see what's going on. And you guys, I felt incredibly convicted because I'm like, I just finished preaching. I, I, I should pause and pray and, and ask God to use it or, or reflect on the experience. But, but because I don't want to deal with those emotions or because I've become so programmed and so addicted to my phone that I, I just immediately ran to, to check what the next update was. So I'm driving home and while I'm driving home, I, I listen to this podcast. And this podcast was saying that there was this famous christian philosopher that taught at usc his name was dallas willard brilliant amazing guy and dallas willard taught at usc for 47 years and they asked dallas willard towards the end of his career as a teacher they said what have you noticed is the major difference between the freshman that you're teaching now and the freshman that you were teaching 47 years ago and without even thinking dallas willard said oh that's easy the, ones, the freshmen I'm teaching now are way more distracted than the freshmen I was teaching 47 years ago. In fact, he said, the freshmen now can't even see what God's doing in their life because they're so distracted. Because they're so quick to run to YouTube, to social media, to, to consuming another thing. I mean, i got to be honest with you guys, at times I find myself like double screening where I'll be watching a movie, watching a TV show, and I'm checking this. And maybe some of you are the same. And then our leaders, our high school ministry leaders, we all got together that night and did a Bible study. And as we were reading John chapter 15 and Jesus was saying, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, it clicked. The reason I'm so distracted is because I'm not remaining in Jesus like he wants me to. And so I went home that night and I got my family together and I said, guys, I need to confess to you. I had already confessed to God. I said, I need to confess to you that I'm so distracted that I'm not being present with you. I'm not being present with God. I'm so distracted. And then I told all my kids, I said, I need you guys to hold me accountable. Whenever you see Daddy on his phone when he's home, unless it's an emergency, I want you to call me out on it. I want you to challenge me. And Charlie, my oldest son, he got like this big grin on his face, right? Like he started smiling so big. I'm like, why are you smiling, kid? Like, what are you smiling about? And he said this, he said, Dad, I feel like I'm always the one being held accountable and now I get to hold you accountable? And I'm like, yeah, you do, you do. You see, the heart of confession is bringing what's really hard to admit before God and recognizing that when you bring it to God, and one of the reasons we don't bring it to God is because we're afraid of how he's going to respond, but according to Scripture, when you bring the worst of yourself, he brings the best of himself. And when we confess our sins, it's the first step in repairing or beginning a relationship with God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out this little card that I gave each one of you. It says TBH, to be honest, I messed up. To be honest, I messed up. And what I want you to do is I'm gonna give you one minute and maybe we can play a little kind of light music back there, Kareen, if if we can do that. I just want to play a little light background music, and I want to give you a minute. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write in there, if you feel comfortable. What are you struggling with right now? What do you need to confess to God? What are you struggling with? Because whatever it is, it is getting in the way of your relationship with God. And Jesus doesn't want you to just share it and then he's gonna hang you out to dry. Remember the promise? You bring the worst of yourself to God and he brings what? What does he bring, Emma? You had it. What does he bring? The best. He brings the best of himself. Luke, what is he going to bring? When you bring the worst to yourself, what is he going to bring? The best. That's right. Michaela, when you bring the worst, what is he going to bring? The best. Jack, when you bring the worst, what is he going to bring? Not for you, bud. Sorry. I'm just kidding. Joking. Jack, I'm sorry we never say that. It was a joke, dude. It was a joke. It was a joke. I couldn't. I was waiting the whole time. I knew it was And it's an unpopular thing to admit you're wrong. It's very unpopular in our culture, but it's the first step in repairing or beginning a relationship with God. So I want you to just take a minute by yourself. And I want you to write down if you feel comfortable, what are you struggling with right now? And then I want you to share it with your life group tonight. You got some other questions and scriptures to read, but, but I want you to at some point tonight with your life group, if you're comfortable, Go around and share, what are you struggling with? And then love each other. Remember, just like God brings his best, we should bring our best as well. So when a friend opens up and shares with you what they're struggling with, don't make them feel bad. Don't condemn them. Don't bring your worst, bring your best. Just like God brings his best. So go ahead and take 30 seconds right now by yourself. I want you to write down, what are you struggling? as we head out, I want to encourage you to take the reading plan with you to read this week. Come back here next Wednesday. We're going to have a great time. But tonight, I want to encourage you to go deep with your life group. What are you struggling with? Pray for each other. Encourage each other. Hold each other accountable together. Because when we bring our worst to God, he brings his best to us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of these leaders, each one of these students. And God, I pray that just as you threw a crazy snake pole, brought healing to the Israelites, which pointed to you bringing healing and salvation and forgiveness to us through Jesus. God, I thank you that you are so unfair and that when I bring my worst, you bring your best. And I pray, Jesus, that Each one of us tonight would open up and share about what are we struggling with, and will we surround each other and.